Hi, and welcome to the Hingham Cast. I'm Allie Donnelly, and today we're talking override. As you know, the Hingham Cast is hyper-local. We look at the world through the lens of one small town, our town. And what is more local than taxes and the positions and services that money supports? My guests today are Select Board Chair Bill Ramsey. Hi, Bill. Allie, how are you? Good. School Committee Chair Michelle Ayer. Michelle, welcome. Thanks so much, Allie. And George Danis, Chair of Hingham's Advisory Committee. George, thanks for being here. Hello, Allie, and thanks for having us. So I want to set the table a bit. Residents are being asked whether or not we should override Prop 2.5 with a $7.9 million override and permanently raise our property taxes so that we can maintain current services and fund different investments and needs. Without an override, we'd be about $6 million short and would have to cut services and lay off 19 municipal employees and 46 positions in our schools. Both the select board and the advisory committee were unanimous in voting in favor of passing the override. So, Bill, let me start with you. Why? Why did you vote to support this? Well, for me, uh, the vote was uh, a choice between cuts in services uh, on our municipal side and um, devastating cuts on our school side. Um, So it was a pretty clear choice about do we want to... we want to build on the progress we've made the last couple of years with our school department and our municipal side, or do we want to go back in time? And um, overall, it was um, a choice that I thought about a lot. I know there's a um, lot of consequences to raising taxes, but ultimately the need for me was um, was abundantly clear. Okay. We'll get into the consequences in just a second. But um, George, let's start off with how did we get here? Uh, good question, Ellie. Um, and uh, like most things, it's, uh, it doesn't have a, have a completely simple answer, but uh, it's really a combination of a couple of things. Uh, first of all, over the last few years, we've started to see a slowdown in new growth as some of the major building projects in town have come um, full cycle. Uh, the other thing is we've seen increasing pressure on expense budgets. So those things uh, sort of hit along with COVID-19. And COVID-19 really threw everything out of whack, as, as people will remember. A lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns at that time. Um, but one of the things that we were able to determine, um, you know, um, with, with a lot of certainty was that, um, that children in particular were having a great deal of difficulty with, um, with their learning skills. Uh, basic introductory um, reading and comprehension and math skills um, really took a downfall uh, due to the effects of COVID-19 and the lack of in-person learning. Um, as a result, uh, in the um, for the FY22 budget, which we, we build in the spring of, of 21, we ended up adding a number of, uh, of staff positions, uh, primarily in the school system, to address this learning loss um, and also to deal with some of the um, social and emotional issues uh, related to COVID-19. So we added 32 positions on the, on the school side, and we added four necessary positions on the municipal side. Um, uh, unfortunately, we didn't have any uh, a permanent source of funding to pay for these um, these additional staff people, so we mm. used uh, one-time funds, both a combination of federal um, pandemic relief funds 
and unassigned fund balance to, to close that budget gap, which was about $5 million in FY22. Um, the condition continued into FY23, and we ended up using about $4 million of, of again, one-time funds uh, and um, with the expectation that we would do an override for FY24. Um, and, I, and I would also add, Ali, that, um, that we did form, the town administrator formed a strategic budget task force to take mm-hmm. a revenues and expenses um, and to really kind of create a roadmap for working our way out of out of the budget deficits um, and out of the pandemic. And the the task force recommended that we use one-time funds again in 23 with the uh, with the override scheduled for 24. Okay. So Bill, when people say they'll vote no or or they're struggling and they come to you, what are you hearing most as their reasons? What are their objections? Well, I think a lot of people are concerned about the overall uh, cost of the override and how it's going to impact their property taxes. Um, so that's what I'm hearing a lot more. And then people want to get into more, you know, the why. You know, why mm-hmm. are we doing this now? What services are in jeopardy? Um, so a lot of the concern is affordability and what's in jeopardy if it doesn't pass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard too from some folks, I was at a party this weekend and someone said, you know, I get it, AAA bond rating, that's great. You know, all these good things. But if we knew the override or an override was coming, why fund things like, and I love the pool, but why fund things like the pool? If we knew this was just going to keep, you know, if we were digging a hole as we were going. Well, the pool was funded separately. Um, we're borrowing for the pool. Um, that was um, done um, outside the budget. And, you know, it was a capital project that, I mean, I believe in and the timing of it was important. And I still believe in, in it. And I think it's important to uh, improve our infrastructure. Obviously, mm-hmm. that we had to address capital needs um, in the fall with the funding for Foster and the public safety building. We obviously, will add to tax increases as well. But the reality is, I think we're at this point because, you know, those projects kind of came, all came to a head at the same time. As George mentioned, the additional positions we added on the school side um, have proven to be essential. And they have put our students on a trajectory for um, improved learning. Um, and the benefits on the missile side have been um, uh, clear as well. So I know it's all coming the same year and it's, it's a big ask for our community. But the leadership feels very strong that this is the right direction we're going in. So, George, $7.9 million, how does that translate down to the individual homeowner? So, uh, so one of the things that we've done, uh, we've done a couple of things. One is that the, the town has put on the, on the website a, uh, a tax impact calculator. Um, so you as a resident can simply go to the Go to the town uh, webpage, um, go to take a look at this calculator and put your address in and it will tell you um, what the impact of your um, to your taxes will be from an override. I did use that calculator and it was terrific. So that was a great tool. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, okay. So, so a, a good rule of thumb that we have used for, um, for a number of years is that a $1 million override 
So $1 million in additional revenue for the town is um, it will equal about a $100 increase in taxes, property taxes, for the median valued assessed property in town. And that median value is about $900,000. So if your house is worth $900,000, a $1 million override will cost you $100 a year extra in taxes. So for an $8 million override, that's about $800 a year or $200 a quarter in, in, in increased property taxes. Certainly okay. Not, okay. It's, not, it's not an insignificant number and, and we all recognize that. Um, and if I may, Allie, I would also point out at this point that, that the town offers a dozen tax relief programs for citizens. Now, there are certain qualifications that you have to meet in order to, to receive these tax benefits, but there are a dozen benefits that are out there. Terrific. I'll, I'll get to those more in a minute, too. Um, Michelle, I want to bring you into the conversation. Sure. You know, we talk about that stunning number of cuts at the schools, um, 46 positions. Mm-hmm. What, are, what do those cuts look like, not just for, for people, but for services through the eyes of our schools? What's, what's the impact on schools and, and how will it affect our kids? Um, it's, it's really, to be honest, it's hard to think about sometimes. Um, 46 staff and administrators who support education for the betterment of our children is a large number. Um, some people have said, you know, well, you've added 30 positions during COVID, you know, why can't we take those away? And not only is, are we talking about 46 positions, not 30. So if you think we added 30 during COVID, adding, reducing those by another 16 puts us backward, right? That means we're worse off than we were even before COVID. And while the public health emergency of COVID is over, it's not over for our kids. They were, they missed three full school years, like three of their school years were interrupted. And for kids who are in school for 13 years, it's almost 25% of their total education lifetime in Hingham Mm -hmm. um, was, was disrupted. And we are working incredibly hard to get kids back to where they should be at, you know, to the grade appropriate levels, but we haven't gotten there yet. Um, And it's going to take time. And I know it's, you know, it's not convenient for taxes to go up. Um, You know, nobody wants to pay more taxes, including all of us on the phone, right? We all live here too. We'll all be impacted by this as well. But I just, I really can't, fathom what this would mean to our to our students if we lose 46 positions in our public schools next year. Get specific for me, if you would, in terms mm-hmm. of what our schools could lose in terms of positions and activities or services. Sure. Um, so the superintendent has um, proposed cuts. The school committee has not voted on them yet, but the proposals so far are the 46 um, staff and administrative positions. Those would include um, special education um, administrators. It would include classroom teachers, specialists. Um, we would have reduced programming in the arts, in athletics. We would be looking at the elimination of freshman sports and potentially non-varsity sports. Um, We would be looking to increase fees for parents um, to pay 
um, fees for bus transportation, for the arts, for athletics. So while the a property tax in, um, increase would affect, you know, everyone would sort of pay a, a little bit to keep these services in place. If this doesn't pass, then our parents are going to be seeing a lot of increased fees. And does that result in people deciding to maybe take their kids and take them into private school? Right. If I'm going to be paying extra anyway, maybe now is the time for me to move my kids into private schools. And that's that's not what we want in this town. Right. This town is built on the reputation of our schools. And it's why so many of us have moved here. So the impact of these reductions is is far reaching. Yeah. Yeah. What what's the morale right now inside of schools when so many people know their jobs could be on the chopping block? It's definitely not uh, it's definitely not good. Um, And, you know, I think overall education right now is just fraught with anxiety um, for a number of reasons. Um, But this certainly doesn't help our schools in particular. Um, I do give our teachers, though, a ton of credit. I mean, they really do. I think keep it out of the classroom and keep it away um, from the kids, but you know it's it's their livelihoods and their and their life's work, right? Nobody gets into education to get rich, right? So they're in this because they enjoy working with children. They they want to be part of the future, and just knowing that you know their job depends on whether or not this override passes at town meeting. I mean that that's got to make for a lot of sleepless nights for our staff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bill, let's turn to the municipal side for a second. There are 19 municipal employees who could lose their jobs. And and what does it mean um, for those folks and for services and and projects? Well, services would be cut significantly. Now, we we would have um, significant cuts to our um, our town library. The hours would be um, would be cut back, would have to close on um, popular days. Uh, it would be cuts to our senior center um, and services there and probably hours of operation. We'd also see significant cuts in our deep, to our DPW, um, which, you know, provide vital services down into our police and fire. One of the biggest concerns is that our fire department is already um, at shift levels that are right about where they should be, but there are le- about 11 firefighters per shift on now. We would lose we may have to drop down to nine. Um, mm. That would be uh, just scary to think of. Cuts in, on our police department would also be significant as well. We would definitely have to take at least at least one SRO um, out of the schools. Um, so school resource yeah. officer. School resource officer, correct. And we will also lose our you know the new assistant town administrative position we added that has been um, uh, very helpful with the division of labor at town hall and the sustainability coordinator. That, that was a position that was added um, through last year's budget, but the funding was done through a state grant that would expire in either October or November. And that was a position that you know thousands of citizens contacted us about, which helps us achieve our climate goals and will get us hopefully to a future in our community with zero emissions. When you share that with people, Bill, what response do you get that you're sharing kind of all this potential loss. Well, I think it, it, it concerns people. You know, when we when we presented the, the information to our advisory committee, we got a lot of feedback on 
concern about um, the public safety cuts and mm. the cuts in services there. That seemed to be something that really um, was concerning to to people. When I talked to residents about some of the some of the things we're adding, the program coordinating for the seniors again, they've asked for it since 2012. Um, the the additional firefighters, the preservation of the sustainability coordinator. When I get a chance to talk to people, I think they realize, wow, this is something that's going to benefit the entire town. Uh, obviously, the the school needs are, are significant. Michelle spoke to those. I agree with her 110 percent. But when you talk to people about what we're trying to do here is um, make the entire town better through this proposal, people seem to really kind of um, warm up to, to what we're doing and become very supportive of it. Mm-hmm. And one other thing to add, too, which I think is very important to this discussion is we have an agreement between the leadership of the school committee, the select board advisory, the town administrator and the superintendent to put growth control measures in place going forward. So the sustainable budget task force recommended that we would, uh, that growth should, that growth should occur at 3.5%. And we have an agreement in place now in writing between the three boards and um, the leadership in town that that's going to continue and that is going to allow us to achieve a sustainable budget going forward through FY28, which is something that we have been working toward for years. And that's a very important part of uh, this discussion and, and controlling growth within the three budgets and keeping it property to two budgets and keeping the property taxes uh, where they should be. So that's funny because that was my next question for George. So he stole his poor thunder. But George, <laughs> George I just want to confirm what Bill's saying there, that if we vote to pass this override, we're not going to get hit up again for another override for a specific period of time. That's correct, right? That is correct, Allie. Uh, Bill hit it right on the nose. Um, that was uh, as we started to really dig into uh, surrounding communities that have been successful with overrides. And we started looking at those uh, almost a, a little over, a little less than a year ago. Invariably, we found that um, there was a, it was an agreement. There was a uh, you know a contract, if you will, between residents and town leaders that would limit the rate of growth uh, for the future and also limit the, um, the the next potential override. So it was a it was an agreement that that people came together on. I think it's and- a great thing. It's a great thing for the town. We. We will have um, predictable rates of growth in our expenses um, for the first time that I can recall, and I've been in town over 30 years, so, so okay. it's a good thing. Right. So, um, Bill, George touched earlier on resources for people who can't afford it. Can you drill in there a little bit more? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, the, you know, the town uh, put a new senior means testing task exemption in place uh, about two years ago. Uh, to extend additional tax relief for eligible seniors. And this had the express goal of helping them to remain in town. We also offer a tax deferment program that allows income qualified seniors to defer 100% of their taxes until uh, a property is sold or transferred. The town also offers really every tax exemption that we legally can, but most of the eligibility requirements for those tax exemptions are set by the state. So we have to work within those guidelines and the select board um, has committed to funding those programs 
at the highest level we can under state law. And then we offer um, tax exemption programs and um, other programs for individual with disabilities and veterans. And we have really made efforts over the last couple of years to offer every program we can legally, funded at the highest amount legally. And we also increase an awareness campaign. We've done it with the Board of Assessors, uh, who've been a great partner with this, to, to get more word out to residents that these programs are there, they're in place, they're available. And all inquiries and conversations regarding these programs that are made through either our office or the Assessor's office is all confidential. So okay. we are trying to do everything we can to help those in need. Terrific. Um, and Michelle, um, to the best that you understand it, if the override doesn't pass, how quickly would we see the impact in our schools? It would be almost immediate um, because the fiscal year budget starts July 1st. So those cuts would have to be made immediately. They begin at the end of this school year. So school would look very different in September. Hmm. What's your biggest heartache there? Um, it's a tough one. Um, I mean, I feel for the for the staff um, who've invested, you know, years into um, being good town employees and doing everything if they can to um, teach our children and to make them better citizens. Um, but I guess I would I would feel most horribly for the for the students who are going to miss out on things that make school what it is, right? It's more than just reading and writing and arithmetic, right? It's the arts, it's the athletics, it's the after school activities at the middle school. Um, you know, I can't think of much worse for kids, particularly in today's world, in not having those extracurricular um, activities available to them. Picturing you know, seventh graders finishing school at 2.20 and then having nothing to look forward to other than going home and doing homework, mm. right? No after-school activities, no arts, no plays, no music. I mean, it would really be devastating for the kids' well-being. Yeah. How hard do you think it would make it if an override didn't pass and you're trying to attract new talent to the schools, you know, when positions are open and we already have such a, a shortage of staff as it is throughout the country. That's a great point. I think that would also be very difficult, right? Um, when people are looking for jobs in a school district, they're looking for financial stability. They don't want to come here and be, you know, the person without the seniority that if this, if we don't have a sustainable budget and we do have these swings every year in our budget, they, they don't want to be left out. So they're going to go take a job in a district that does have, you know, a pretty set budget where they have a little bit more financial stability. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, Bill, we haven't had an override in 14 years, if my math is right. How will that work at town meeting? How, how will, you know, let me ask that again. Um, Bill, you know, we haven't had an override in 14 years. How will it work at town meeting? Well, it's going to be two budgets proposed at town meeting. So uh, we are required by law to, to pass a balanced budget. So uh, my understanding is um, the, the way the town moderator is going to do it procedurally. And we do this to what we call the Article 6 process. The Article 6 is the 
part of our warrant and our town meeting discussion on the budget. So there'll be a balanced budget proposed. And, uh, and then after the balanced budget is discussed, voted on, then we would move to the override budget. And the way it's uh, way we anticipate it to be done procedurally is that the, the moderator goes through each line item for each budget in town. And if citizens want to debate a specific uh, part of the budget, they can put a hold on it. And then the, the, he will uh, open up debate on that particular hold. And then ultimately it comes to the end of the budget, which is referred to as, I think it's line 999, which is the overall amount. So it's going to be something that we're not really used to at town meeting in the sense that two budgets will be proposed. Mm -hmm. But residents should know the first one is the balanced budget. Got to do that by law. The second one would be the budget that comprises the override amount. And the, for overrides to pass under Massachusetts general law, they have to be approved by a majority at town meeting, and then uh, a majority at the ballot, which will occur the next uh, with the following Saturday. Okay, so let's call out those dates. So to get an override passed, it would mean a majority vote at both the April twenty fourth town meeting and the town election April twenty ninth through the ballot question. Absolutely correct. Um, and then what about registering to vote at town meeting? Any dates there we need to know about? So that has to be done by April 14th, uh, and they can do that through the uh, residents can do that through the clerk's office. Okay. Okay. Well, I want to thank my guests today, Select Board Chair Bill Ramsey. Bill, thanks. Thank you, Allie. School Committee Chair Michelle Ayer. Thanks so much for this opportunity, Allie and George Danis, Chair of Hingham's Advisory Committee. Thank you very much, Allie. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the Hingham Cast, follow and download us wherever you listen. And if you're looking for a great way to support our schools, get tickets now for the Hingham Education Foundation's Adult Spring Break. It's May 5th at the Paragon Boardwalk, and get this, there's a ride on Mechanical Shark. <laughs> Don't worry, it's all for a good cause. HEF is a nonprofit and money raised funds grants that support everything from innovative classroom projects to new books and materials to improving technology for students in our public schools. Thank you too to our media partners at the Hingham Anchor, Laura, Hillary, Josh, you guys rock. I'm Allie Donnelly. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.